entertainment, sports, culture. This is Raleigh Co. Radio, podcast presented by Raleigh and Company. Welcome to uh, this week's edition of Spooning with Dimitri. Uh, as I sit here and look out my window, uh, the, the Raleigh landscape is just covered in ice and snow, and I get to be in here sitting in the warmth, in a robe, by the way, uh, reliving my chat with Christopher Hill. He is the chef at Fair, uh, one of the brand new Echelon Experience restaurants. They seem It seems like they opened two here within, what, four months of each other. The folks at Echelon... Uh, own the Oxford, Mura, Zinda, uh, Cameron Bar and Grill, Fair, and they just opened Bassan over in Durham. G. Patel, that owns the group, actually is going to be a guest on the show uh, in the uh, in the coming weeks. So uh, we'll talk about the whole group here in a bit. But this chat is with uh, Christopher Hill. Christopher was the chef at the Oxford, and then when the folks at Echelon uh, started conceptualizing fair. He saw the opportunity uh, to try something new, and so now uh, he's got his own little shop there on Oberlin Road. And and what I liked about this chat is not only do we get into some of the personal history uh, with food and what brought him to the Triangle and all that kind of stuff, uh, you really learn the, um, or I guess you get an idea of some of the challenges that face a restaurateur and a chef, not just when they open a new restaurant, but when they're opening a new property. And that's very much what the folks at FAIR uh, are lined up against here. Is it a bad thing? You know, Christopher doesn't seem to frame it that way, but it is a challenge. So uh, I really like this chat uh, with Christopher Hill, uh, excuse me, Christopher Hill from FAIR. The music I picked this week uh, is when I paint my masterpiece by the band. Uh, And it's because, you know, we sort of talked about Christopher uh, and his time uh, being a kid in Michigan uh, and knowing very early in life what it was he wanted to do. And even now that he he ran the Oxford, he's running FAIR. As you're talking to him, you still sort of get this feeling like he's not done yet. There's, There's something more to come. And I don't know if that means another restaurant. I don't know if that means uh, whatever the future affair is, but Christopher is just a really uh, not only smart and engaging guy, but also a really uh, he's a guy you just get the feeling could do whatever he wanted to do. And and you know, as a as an eater, <laughs> you're just lucky that uh, what he wants to do is make food. So uh, so enjoy this chat uh, with Christopher Hill from Fair this week on Spooning with Demetri. from Michigan, and you, know, you you came south what, at 19, you said? Yes, yep. So was the plan 
to be a chef at that point? Yes, yeah. Um, I got introduced in um, kitchens when I was 13, 14 years old. Um, I remember I needed uh, money for my moped to get around town. We grew up in a little <laughs> town of like 20,000 people, uh, Marquette, Michigan. And, um, and I think New York seltzers were a big hit for kids our age at, at that time. And um, so I just needed some extra cash. So I picked up a job in uh, the university's like, cafeteria but um, did events and stuff, you know, yeah. banquets, that kind of thing. So I'd go and work four or five hours a night, but just really liked it. It kind of, I felt like I excelled pretty quickly at it, and I mm -hmm. just, I was, it was hooked ever since. So. Is it one of those things that you're working four or five hours a night, you like it right away? Like, at that point, was school just, I mean, was it just not interesting to you anymore? You sort of found what your real passion was? I, I, I believe so, yeah. Um, you know, I still had to do well to get through school and all right. that stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think I, I found, you know, found my passion at an early age, so I feel fortunate for that. What kind of, uh, what kind of student were you? Um, I, you know, an average student, you know. Yeah. Uh, B, Cs, occasionally I'll get an A. Yeah. You know. Uh, did you take to cooking in the kitchen and, and, and really just the whole hospitality business in general, did you take to it because... Uh, there weren't a whole lot of other interests, or were you like pretty diverse? I mean, it sounds like if you were working four to five hours a night, yeah. you had time to dedicate to it. Right, yeah, yeah. And my mom, I'm um, coming from my background, my mom's Vietnamese, and mm -hmm. they always put this, she always put on these big, huge, uh, extravagant meals and had her friends come over. So I always thought, like, I always equated happiness with food, too, because sure. we just had a great time. So that had a lot to do with it, too, I think. Yeah. Um, big Vietnamese community in Marquette, Michigan? Um, no, but she seemed to know all, all the people that were. So, yeah. Yeah. so <laughs> she seems to be pretty good at uh, finding, yeah. finding her, um, her kind, I guess. So. When, when friends would come over, was it new to them? Or did you, were you, like, you know, growing up Greek, there were times I was a little bit embarrassed to have people come over just because of the custom of the meal and how different it can be and all that kind of stuff. Were you eager to show that off? Or yeah, you... I was very much eager to show that off. And everybody really enjoyed it. You know, people would talk about it for months afterwards you yeah. know, when they come over. So my mom was very uh, um, outgoing in that way and, um, and, and uh, just very caring, I guess. You know, she just liked to feed everybody. So. Yeah. Family still up in Michigan? Uh, nope. They, uh, they did what uh, most families do in Michigan when they get sick of the snow is head down to Florida. So they're down there right now. Yeah, and we were talking, that's where you headed to first was, uh, was down to Florida. That's correct. And we made it about halfway. Um, didn't know a lot about North Carolina, you know, growing up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And uh, when we got down there, I just fell in love with it. So when you, said, when you said you got down to Florida and you were headed to Florida until you ran out of money, did you not even make it to Florida? No, we didn't make it. No, oh, wow. no, no. We uh, headed east, right from Michigan, as soon as we could, and uh, headed south from there. And uh, then we were just kind of scoping out the map and trying to figure out where we wanted to go. We we want the ultimate goal is to make it to Florida, but we didn't know where. Yeah. And uh, we saw the Outer Banks, you know, and and then uh, sp scoped out Wilmington and lived a little bit south of Wilmington, which the town of Wilmington was bigger than the town we grew up in, so we were excited about that. But we yeah. could also have that small time. Uh, community uh, in the, the Carolina Beach south of Wilmington so you know it was only a 15-minute drive to go and get the culture of a bigger city and um, what we were used to I guess yeah and then, or, and then could grow up in that community so so what year was this um, it was 93 I believe so yeah. the film industry is maybe not booming but it's still it exists in Wilmington at that it, point. it was just started I think yeah. yeah it was getting pretty big yeah yeah so, so did you ever try you know, jumping on jobs, catering, those sorts of things? Or what was your restaurant experience like when you got to North Carolina? My restaurant experience really revolved around surfing. So I tried to get to where I could work at nighttime and uh, yeah. spend the day at the beach. So that's what yeah. I tried to do. That was my main focus at the point. Pick up some more uh, 
training on the job training and um, get the surf and hang out to the beach. Were, was surfing something you learned here? Even up in Michigan, did you were you still interested in it? Uh, I was always I was interested. I always skateboarded and snowboarded that type of thing. But that was just like the fill the trifecta. That was the last thing <laughs> yeah. I had to learn. So <laughs> that was the next step. Yeah, that was the next step. So what did you first learn to cook? Um, I the first thing I learned uh, was I started out Italian food. Um, it was a mom and pop Italian, food, yeah. you know, and a family run, and uh, it was great. They were a great family to work for, and uh, picked up a lot of techniques and stuff like that. So, what what was sort of that moment that you realized that there was stuff to learn? I mean, you know, cooking Italian food at home, it's you know, in our heads, it's always well, you drop the pasta in All the right. water, and then eventually, you know, either you make the sauce yourself or you open it up from prego. And I'm a chef now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what what was that step towards like? Oh, I'm, I'm actually in this now. Um, I, I think making doughs and breads and that type of thing, that really interests me. Um, you know, it's so easy to go and buy that stuff prepackaged and stuff yeah. and to actually get involved with it and, you know, and have that outcome happen in an hour or two is, is you know, the end result happening uh, was pretty uh, eye-opening to me. Formal training or not? No, no formal training, just on the job. Um, I just uh, tried to work as many places as I could, see as many different um, techniques and different... Uh, ideas of food and then try to try to make them my own now yeah so how much of as you are progressing towards being a chef uh how much are you taking notes about or like what's the ratio of taking notes in your head about what people do well and what you absolutely don't want to do i mean is it and, and what they don't want to do is that more about the way you prepare food or the way you deal with people in the kitchen Okay, um, I am. Um, that's the beauty of this thing is uh, you're always learning stuff. You, yeah. you know, just you see it everywhere nowadays, and uh, you always pick up different techniques and ideas and that. And uh, in in important, uh, it is very important to um, treat your staff as best as you can too. Um, you know, just you know, we're all everybody's in it as a team, and it, you know, my it, when it comes to me, it's just an idea, but it has to be executed. And you, you know, you try to make a nice, friendly. Uh, and uh, like family atmosphere in the kitchen so you can get things done. Yeah. Uh, Crawford Lavoie, who is the uh, wine director at Piedmont in Durham, he was on the show, uh, I guess it'll probably be an episode or two before yours, and he was talking about having worked in New Orleans versus coming here um, where people are, uh, you know, they settle into their role in the restaurant and then they sort of become a mercenary at that position, like, you know, hop from whoever can pay them best to whoever can pay them best. Um, and he said he hadn't noticed that so much here, but I would imagine that's a big difference, though, between floor and kitchen, right? I mean, kitchen, that's a, that's a coveted skill set. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it definitely is. Um, and, you know, and I, I think, it's, again, it's important to have that, that fr- you know, that friendship with everybody and that um, family atmosphere because, you know, you have to overcome a, a lot of things, you know. Every day you're, you're reacting to things that might be going wrong and you have to fix them and all that stuff. So, um, you know, you start off with a, a good crew and everybody's in it to win it kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, those, those type things don't really bog you down. So. Yeah, I noticed when I walked into Fair, you, the, the open kitchen is pretty, like, prominently displayed. I mean, it's when you walk through the front door, that's one of the very first things you notice. Yeah. Uh, what is it like dealing with things going wrong in an open kitchen where customers can, you know, sort of see yeah. and hear every reaction? Um, we, it, it, I could see how it could be... Uh, uh, well, I, at first I thought it was going to be, um, a, it's something I'm not used to, so it was, yeah. it was, it was new to me. But it, it really hasn't changed much. Um, you know, you still have to 
everybody has to treat each other with respect regardless if the kitchen's open or not. So um, I guess this is another way to ensure that happens. Yeah. Is it a good size kitchen or is it uh, smaller than you used to? It is. It is a good size kitchen for um, a, a, a restaurant of this size. Um, it's neat because in the back we have a, a, another line um, of another hotline of uh, stoves, ovens, mm -hmm. uh, deck oven and that type of thing. So, you know, when, when you're prep, we can always be prepping. So to ensure the freshest quality, we can do it like up to the last minute because we're not going to be taking up eye space or uh, broiler space on the front line while you're cooking orders for the guests. So um, th that's nice having that second set of uh, area to prep food. Yeah. So it's about 2.30 in the afternoon when we're recording this. And you say you've been here about four hours at this point and we'll be here. Till about eleven o'clock tonight, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, today I'm off. So, oh, you are. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm sorry, but I don't know. No, no, no. I know normal day. Yeah, um, it would be about till about eleven o'clock. So it's Monday. You're one day off. I know Sunday you just do brunch. So it's half day or no? I yeah. Mean, well, I actually, um, I, I've had the for I've been fortunate enough to have yesterday and today off. So yeah, um, this early in the game, but um, uh, yeah. So yeah, you know, we put, everybody puts in long hours in the kitchen, but you know, again, it's. Uh, it wouldn't be anywhere else. I'd not rather be, I guess. Yeah. So. I, yeah. I mean, you're you're a young dude to be a head chef. Yeah. Well, thank. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm actually in my uh, I'm early 40s. Uh, I'll be 42 in March. So. Wow. Yeah. I never would have guessed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that sort of leads into my question of, you know, obviously you have to love it. I mean, because of the hours alone, you have to love it. But there is so much about this business that follows you home, even though it's not the physical work itself. I mean, there is always that boy. You know, the sun comes up pretty early when you get off at you know 11 o'clock or midnight yeah do you are you able to balance a personal life with this or are you have you just accepted at this point that the restaurant is your I, life I feel like I've done a pretty good job balancing a personal life I have two young daughters two, uh, -huh. uh three and five well she, Lucy will be five and at the right after Christmas and uh um you know, I, I try to make time for them as much as I possibly can. And, um, you know, if I was working a nine to five, I'd have a lot more time. But my wife's been really good with the kids, too. Um, she's a stay at home mom, uh, very talented photographer, but she's at she's at home now. And, um, we, you know, I just when 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 I spend time with my my kids and my wife, I just have to make sure it's quality time. Yeah. Know? And uh, do they come? Uh, do they come to eat? Do you feed them here a lot? Uh, not a lot, but yeah, they do come up here. We came up for brunch a couple of weeks ago, and, yeah. uh, and my daughter they, they they love coming up here. They, yeah. They call it the fair, as in like <laughs> you know they're going to the fair and right. not the pony the horse and pony show, but actually the you'll have to add deep so. fried Snickers to the menu. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so tell me a little bit about the move over from Oxford to Fair. I mean the company. Is is Echelon Experiences that owns not only these two restaurants, but what, three others, right? Yeah, uh, soon to be four. Um, they, they've got one in Durham opening too, uh, Basan, which is uh, uh, um, a high-end Japanese restaurant. So, oh, very cool. Yeah. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the move over. I mean, is it, do the bosses come to you and say, we have this concept that we want to open on Oberlin Road, would you be interested or were you ready for a new challenge? Um, I, I think it was, I was ready for a new challenge. That's, uh, you know, when, when I heard that there was an opening, um, I jumped all over the opportunity. Yeah. So. Yeah. So what, uh, what has it been like? Not only, well, I guess sort of tell me the, the, your whole experience with fair. I mean, you must've been a part of conceptualizing the menu, right? Oh, uh, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, yep. The, um, the menu is, uh, all mine. Uh, well, I wrote it before we came in and, uh, um, pretty much the, um, the, the, Restaurant was uh, the design was already happened and the kitchen layout was already already mm -hmm. happened. But from there, um, from the ordering of small wares, getting you know uh, the conceptualizing the menu, um, 
getting the silverware, glassware, you know, all, getting it staffed. That yeah. was all. That was all. And, and it, you know, I mean, it's a it's a fine dining sort of concept with uh, you know steaks and seafood sort of being at the central, you know, at the heart of the menu. That's cool. Was that what they told you all along, or did they say, you know, Chris, do you know, do what you want, design what you think you can do best? Um, it, the idea was steak and seafood. Yeah. Uh, in in Cameron Village area, and then from there, um, I took that idea and then. Um, showed what I thought would, would show these off, um, yeah. show that those ingredients off well. So. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned in the Cameron Village area, and we were talking before we started recording about that this building, what is it called, the Crescent? Is that what it's called? Yes, yep. Um, is relatively new. Uh, what are the challenges in opening a new place, opening a new place in a new place? Does that yeah. make sense? Yes, it does. And it, it is very challenging. Um, you, you know, the, the one thing uh, I'll know going into the ne next time I do something like this is, uh, um, that just because it's brand new doesn't mean that you're not gonna have problems with it. Right. So there, you know, the HVAC things like that. It just um, in the first couple of weeks, we just had to make sure that all that stuff was working properly. You know, and had people coming all the time to check on it and stuff like that. So um, I, you know, I just assumed that uh, things that were new would just work. And of help, course, you know, for years. <laughs> so um, and that was kind of eye opening to me. Uh, so that you know, not only was it to get the the staffing in and uh, get the menu executed like you wanted to but then there was all these other things that kind of um played a part too that you'd have to look over so very few chefs or restaurateurs are in a space with people living directly above them what's that right. like um I, as of right now we it's not um full yet I, i'm not sure mm -hmm. if they're um they're open yet uh, the ones above us but you know there's uh condos all around uh, it's like in, in a square and i yeah. think our part's the last part um and uh, you know i we haven't heard i haven't really noticed anything different yet so yeah um but working at the oxford we also had uh um residents above us and uh but they had uh live bands on the weekend so it was always there's always a little problem there yeah you know? I, I would imagine so so is it just the from your experience at the oxford was it just the noise level i mean does the does the heat of the kitchen radiate up um i i don't think so um it, you know occasionally uh i i we did have a problem with our um hoods uh, after a while they just start to rattle a little bit and you have to get things tightened up and stuff yeah and there was a problem i remember with that but um other than that i i, I don't ever really remember hearing anything about a smoke or um or noise from the kitchen or anything like that yeah um so tell me a little bit about how north carolina influence changed your style of cooking the ingredients you like to use all that kind of stuff okay yeah um i i just you know living here i got, got accustomed to southern cuisine and uh and i like to you know kind of get take do my part or make my interpretation of what i think southern cuisine is is um you know growing up in marquette michigan we didn't ever you know i i don't i didn't know what a collard green was until i <laughs> <Right>. got here <laughs> or you know um we didn't do a lot of peas and that kind of thing like black eyed peas and stuff i'm um, growing up there um, so before you keep going, just give me an idea of where Marquette, Michigan is. I mean, is it near Detroit, Grand Rapids? Uh, it's about eight hours north of there. Oh, so wow. it's in the Upper Peninsula, yeah. um, above the bridge. You uh, might as well have grown up in Canada. Right. right. It yeah. was right across the lake from Canada, wow. Lake Superior. So, um, yeah, it was right on the lake and, uh, it, it was cold in the winter, you know, <laughs> and beautiful in the summer. Yeah. And, uh, um, and yeah, that's. So very, uh, very much a great outdoors kind it, of uh, environment. We you spend a lot of time outside. Yeah, yeah even in the winter, in the dead of winter. Did that so. play into the cuisine of that area? I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of freshwater fish, a lot of uh, yeah. game. Yes, yeah. Um, there was a lot of uh, whitefish. It was pretty popular. That came out of Lake Superior, mm -hmm. and um, and 
they have a, um, a staple, and I, I think it came from Scandinavia or something, but a pasty. It was like some sort of ground meat and potatoes kind of wrapped in this dough. Um, that was a big staple up there. But, um, yeah, game. Game was a big thing, too. The deer hunting was a – I mean, I think we got a week off of school because of deer hunting. Really? So, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so, all right, so let's jump back to, to cooking and, and sort of being influenced by southern cuisine. You were talking about that you – there wasn't a whole lot of work with peas. You didn't know what a collard green was. Right. Uh, so our pork wasn't as, as affluent there, yeah. you know, there as, as here. So. <laughs> so how do you sort of dive into that? I mean, is it, do you, I would imagine you first have to get used to eating it before you get used to cooking it, right? That's correct. Yeah. So the first thing you do is, you know, you kind of, you just prepare it like it would be prepared around here. And then, and then from there I'd try to, um, you know, add little tweaks to it that I thought might make it better or, or in my opinion, uh, um, my interpretation of it, I guess. And, uh, um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's fun learning new ingredients because sure. you get to eat, you know. So. Yeah. Give me an idea of what sort of the reaction is when you tweak a so-called Southern classic. I mean, things you did to them, you do to, uh, you know, st- uh, Southern staple dishes yeah. that are interesting. Do they go over well? I mean, do you feel blowback from them at first? Or I guess, have you felt blowback from them at first? You know, sometimes you do. But, um, you know, right now we have a, a dish on our menu um, with, it just kind of features chicken and you know we we serve a half chicken but we um we debone it and so the thighs are confit and the breast is uh we sous vide it um to ensure uh moistness and um we serve it with a potato custard uh you know so we sweet potatoes so we get that involved um the sauce we used to do an eastern carolina barbecue sauce Mm -hmm. but um we turned it into a gastrique so it's like a syrupy type sauce and um you know and it it seems like it's well received so it's kind of like a play on uh Barbecue chicken, I guess, you know, barbecue pork in this area. And, yeah. Uh, and it seems like it plays off pretty well. What is the dish, um, southern or, or really th- from any of the cuisines you've cooked in, what is the dish, whether it's on the menu or just something that people love and can't believe is not on the menu that just for you, it just, it doesn't interest you at all? Yeah. Um, I, I don't have any of those. Uh, you know, I, I try to... Um, I, if, if, if there's something very popular people ask for, I try to do an interpretation of that. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I don't feel like I have anything like that. So, yeah, really. You know, yeah. Um, do you, you must be a pretty open-minded eater. Yeah, I, I believe I am. Yeah. 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 It's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten. The weirdest thing? Um, I, anytime, you know, I, I it, like eating um, awful, uh, you know, just heart and stuff like that. I, I like... I, I enjoy it. It just it takes a second for me to yeah. get it down, I guess, or whatever, <laughs> you know. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about FAIR, the, the sort of the setup of it, the atmosphere of it. Um, kind of just sort of give me the run now. As I, as I was coming up uh, from, the, from the parking garage here under the building, notice the – I mean, do you call that a patio? It's, it's – it, you're like, you've done a lot with a limited space out there. Right. Um, and so sort of, and if you've only been open for six weeks, I guess you really haven't seen the potential for that spot in the summer yet. But kind of give me the idea for this, it, the environment, like the grand idea, long term, how far along you think you are in the process. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, we, we want to take uh, the, the um, old stale, or not old uh, steak and seafood house uh, with the dark leather and, you know, the dark dark wood that type of thing and kind of want to modernize it a little bit so you'll see a lot of bright colors and stuff um i I believe that this is one of the most sought after corners in raleigh um and to have a patio out on there Mm -hmm. i just i think is a wonderful thing we've got about 40 seats out there right now and like you said we haven't seen much uh um happen with it yet because of uh 
we, we opened right in the fall, late fall, you know, and yeah. it was cold out. And but you know, excited to see what happens in the spring and summer and in, in, in early fall um, with it. I think it'll be a um, pretty um, popular spot. Yeah, you know, one of the th interesting things you say try to modernize the old steak and seafood yeah. concept and. I mean, definitely you see what you mentioned about more bright colors, not the old, you know, black and dark red and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But so many times when you hear someone saying, we're going to take X concept and modernize it, that includes very intrusive, thumping, like almost dubstep kind of music. And uh -huh. you guys still are sort of the music very much blends into the background here. Yeah, it's uh, we wanted a jazzy feel to it. And, yeah. and that's a nice, soft uh, jazz. So. Um, and it's always neat hearing, uh, um, you know, there'll be uh, jazz covers of bands that um, that you you know that that I listen to, and uh, to hear them, you know, like instrumental versions of them are pretty neat to hear yeah. every once in a while. So. <laughs> so with the open kitchen, though, it sort of dawns on me like if in terms of, uh, well, I guess you really can't play music back in, a, in an open kitchen, can you? No, we uh, we do before we open, um, and uh, we we try to um, limit it. Uh, we we'll play it, but it'll be. Uh, yeah, barely. We barely can hear it. And what's on that playlist? Is that controlled by you, or do you try and cater it's, to the staff? It's everybody. Whoever gets to it first. Oh, really? Yeah. So um, whoever whoever decides to do it is what we listen to. You know, <laughs> I haven't had to uh, put a stop to any of it yet. So yeah. that's been good. So. Have you read uh, Have you read Anthony Bourdain's book uh, Kitchen Confidential? Yes, I have. Yeah, he, I read uh, that a long time ago. Yeah, there's a section there where he talks about that he tried to do that. He tried to make it. You know, whoever gets to it first yeah. has control. And then he started to realize that a uh, an unhappy chef makes for an unhappy staff. So now he, you know, whatever, or I guess up before he stopped cooking, he yeah. controlled everything. You uh -huh. are, you are a much more benevolent leader. It sounds like. Yeah. Um, as, 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 of, you know, for the six weeks so far, it, yeah. it's, it's worked out that way. Um, but I, I could see how sometimes maybe it might get out of hand or something, but it hasn't yet. So that's been good. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, have you taken on a role in hiring, certainly in the kitchen, I would imagine, but what about the floor? Um, the floor, the, uh, we, we have an executive committee with Echelon Experiences, and mm -hmm. they hired all the, um, the front of the house managers and bar managers. And then from there, the, they, the bar managers and front of the house managers are, hired all the staff. And, um, you know, and I, I play a role with the front of the house staff. It's just making sure they look appropriate and they're dressed yeah. in uniform and they have all their tools and all that type of thing. So I help kind of keep them, um, keep them focused on their job, I guess. Yeah. That relationship between the back of the house and the front of the house can sometimes be a little contentious. How do you, what do you tell your staff about dealing with waiters and waitresses? It's, we're all working for the end product and the end product is serving the guests. So, you know, if anything, if anything uh, manipulates that or gets in the way of that happening, uh, it's all our, it, we, we have to get along to make sure that happens. Right, right. Um, so tell me about, is this, do you think now you are, Satisfied? I mean, in terms of where you are, is there? Do you still have grand plans about what you want to do? I, I do. I, I feel like um, I, I think you know, training is the biggest thing, and you know, and I don't feel like I can come come in uh, without knowing my staff before I, I um, hire, uh, get them hired. Uh, um, you know, each day we work together, the more we get to know each other, and the more we can do things without speaking to each other, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, we just know what's right, and, you know, I, I have a plan by, you know, six months, I, I feel like um, we will be at the point where we can do exactly what I envision right. this place, um, you know, fairer being. Uh, right now, I, I'm, I, I love the menu now, and I feel like it's a good introduction for, for the training of everybody, and um, I just, I think, just step after step after step, I, th I feel like six months we should be... Um, 
my vision should be on that plate. Yeah, you know, so, completely. 100%. So does that mean ready to shuffle up the menu, or does that mean that the menu is clicking and people, you know, are consistently going to come here and say, "That's that's what I want. That's what I expect." Yeah. Um. I I mean, uh, just you know, it, again, my they're just ideas if I don't have anybody to execute them, and right. um, just to bring everybody through these steps of training that will get to that point. Yeah, uh, is was what I mean by that. And and again, I, I am very happy with what we're serving now, and um, and I just feel like we'll just get better and better and better and better. Yeah, so, the more we work together, I guess. Both when you open this place and when you take over as a chef at the Oxford, which is more appealing to you as a chef? Do you want to bring in? A staff that that you know that you sort of know how to work with the quirks about everybody works or do you like to bring in people that maybe even you can learn something from yeah um i i like you know i, I every day you learn something from somebody um mm -hmm. you know just when i i remember one thing i learned from the oxford um like grape tomatoes you know if you slice them in half there's just the, the guys that were there just had this way of doing it so much faster and it you know it was just like putting two lids together putting the tomatoes in there and just running a knife through them and i've never seen that before but it made so much sense and it worked out so great so every day no matter um what what position in the kitchen i i feel like i learned something every day from someone else so, yeah. and hopefully i can give that same same uh be that teacher also for them too yeah so. what's your relationship like with cooking in the kitchen when you're at home at home yeah um yeah i we do a lot with that our kids can do so they get involved yeah, cool. you know we uh um you know thanksgiving they help make pumpkin pies and <laughs> we try to get them involved as much as possible and my oldest daughter which is five she uh just just lately she's been asking me about bread like what like how do you what's going on what do you do with this what how do you make this <laughs> right. how does this work out she really likes bread and so it's great that she's asking questions like that and you know um we just introduced them both to sushi and things and they're you know they're taking off with that so it's, it's just nice, nice getting them involved in this you know? yeah are you excited that they're excited about it or do you sort of i mean as a dad sometimes you can't help but project forward yeah i yeah i i'm very excited that they're excited in this but you know i hope it's more of a hobby for them and yeah. you know they um you know the the oldest uh, lucy she's interested in being a vet and you know you know and if if, if, if it was anything like me, you know, I knew what I was doing when I was a, a young kid and, you know, maybe that's what she'll want to do. But, you know, you always have to eat. So the more you can understand right. food, the better, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever met a chef that hopes their kid also becomes a chef. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or yeah. does anything. It's, 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 it's a lot of work. You know, it's a lot of, a lot of time spent away. So, yeah, you know, for sure. Well, Chris, thanks a lot for sitting down with me. Yeah, you're welcome. Yes, it sure has been a long, hard climb. Train wheels are running through the back of my memory. When I ran on the hilltop following a pack of wild geese. Smart dude Christopher Hill from Fair, from the border of Canada, or the border near Canada, I guess, since he's from northern Michigan. Uh, very lucky. We are very lucky he wound up here in the triangle. All right, what is next? Uh, I, again, I'm not quite sure. Like I said last week, I'm, I'm in this phase where I have a jumble of episodes uh, that I need to get to. I know the folks from Pie Pushers are going to be on with us. The folks from Buffalo Brothers are going to be on. I mentioned earlier in the episode that uh, G. Patel, the owner of uh, Fair and all the uh, restaurants in the Echelon Experiences family, uh, those are all coming up in recent weeks. In what order, though, I don't quite know. So uh, hang tight with me, and um, 
I guess that is it. Uh, if you uh, do have to go out in the snow, please drive slowly. Uh, if you do not have to go out in the snow, do what I'm doing today and wear a robe. That's my uh, advice for, really, all of life as you go forward. When you can wear a robe, do wear a robe. Big boy.